Good evening, and welcome to a a couple hours away from the song that you heard is going to be played by um, the weekend, the halftime show is going to be played in a couple hours from now in Flor Tampa Bay, Florida. It's a Saturday night here on the um, Living and Journey show. We have a lot of stuff to talk about, including a couple of videos that I would like to play. Um, and we'll speak about the Super Bowl predictions. All coming up on the Living and Journey show here on the Ari Mac Networks. Ari Mac Network. Um, with your host, Ari Mac Network. But first. But first, here's our word from a sponsor. Good evening and welcome to the podcast. My name is Zari Mack, your host of the Living Journey podcast. Tonight, we have a lot to speak about, including the Super Bowl. We played earlier uh, in the intro... The weekend. Um, the greatest song called "Blinding Lights." Um, and we we and one of the greatest songs that I like from Weekend. I generally don't play the type of vibe. Our producer is actually liking it. He keeps on playing it over and over. But I like it also. That's why I played it. It's a good song. Gets you hyped up for many stuff. For example, the Super Bowl. Um and it gets you it gets you uh hyped up for a lot of things. And I love it. Many people like it. And it's a good song. It's a good song, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get to uh, the news and videos in just a minute. Let's get to the videos first that I would like to get to. Um, yeah, let's get to the videos first, alright? Which one, which one do we need to do first? Let's get to the... 
Alright, let's get to um, Chuck Schumer being yelled at by the woman. Um, this woman was that a uh, was that one of uh, Chuck Schumer's press brief press briefing? What a savage woman! Listen to this. Should conservatives have a platform for free speech online with the banning of parlor? Senator? Senator Schumer, should conservatives have a platform for free speech online? Newsmax TV is now America's fastest. And that's um, the woman. Liddy, literally. No. Schumer does not answer the question. How ridiculous is that? Next, a nine-year-old person, a nine-year-old boy, literally, a nine-year-old boy, that I found this video, yelling in a microphone, um, to liberals, Savage things. Now, most of these videos are literally savage things. I want to. I want to show you. I want you guys to listen to this. Now it's a bit loud, but listen carefully. He's saying, let's bless America, let's get rid of communism, let's get rid of Biden, all that. He's, now, this kid is a nine-year-old, nine-year-old kid, 
literally smarter than Joe Biden, smarter than Democrats. I think this kid is going to be one heck of a kid um, in either in the government or even in the business. This was before the uh, march, um, march to the Capitol in D.C., Now, if you want to watch this video, go to Joey V, Joey V 2020, Joey V Trump 2020, actually, Joey V Trump 2020 on YouTube. You can see this nine-year-old Trump supporter um, yelling um, a lot of stuff that is great for America. These kid, these guy, older people are surprised by this kid. So you get the point that this kid is a real, real supporter. Real supporter. Next, we have a video of AOC. Changes her, um, AOC decides to lie about her, her, uh, some stuff. Yes. Never knew that AOC lied? Well, think about it. Before you, you, uh, decide to, um, decide to come, come to us. Well, hold on. I gotta, I gotta, um, do some stuff. Hold on. Alright, let's play the AOC video. Let's find that video for you. Is it in my watch later? Yeah. AOC. Crying like a baby. Here we go. Concern for the tragedies that befall others, even while demanding vocal and unending sympathy whenever we are the ones suffering misfortune. Then we've gone far beyond the universal flaw of fallen humans everywhere. In that case, we're sociopaths. We're even worse than sociopaths if we outwardly applaud and encourage bad things. You know what? Let's play the AOC message first. I'm going to play the video first. Let's play it. Here we go. Just landed my dream job. The reason I say this and the reason I'm getting emotional in this moment is because these folks who tell us to move on, 
that it's not a big deal, that we should forget what's happened, or even telling us to apologize. Um, these are the same tactics of abusers. And I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Um, and I haven't many people that in my life. Um, but when we go through trauma, trauma compounds on each other. And so whether you had a negligent or you know a neglectful parent and or whether you had someone who was verbally abusive to you, um, whether you are a survivor of abuse, um, whether you experience any sort of trauma um, in your life, small to large, these episodes can compound on one another. My story is not the only story, nor is it the central story. It's one of many stories of what these people did um, in creating this environment. And um, these folks who are just trying to tell us to move on are just like pulling the page. They're using the same tactics of every other abuser who just tells you to move on, of that man who touched you inappropriately at work telling you to move on. Are they going to believe you? Or the adult who, you know, if they hurt you when you were a child and you grow up and you confront them about it and they try to tell you that what happened never happened. Or, um, you know, the countless people who tell women and non-binary people that, you know, they're constantly trying to get attention um, just for existing and just for saying that they exist. Like, these are the tactics of abusers. And at a point where it's not about the difference of, this is not about a difference of political opinion. We need accountability because the accountability is not about revenge. It's not about getting back at people. It's not about any of that. It's about creating safety. And we are not safe with people who hold positions of power, who are willing to endanger the lives of others if they think it will score them a political point. It because it because they want to what run for president four years from now who cares who cares like what is the craven extent of your personal political ambition that you want to be president so bad that you're going to allow people and your own colleagues lives to be in danger because you think it's going to win you trump's base and also from the perspective of a politician, let me tell you, Donald Trump, he runs a cult of personality. That's not going to transfer to you so quickly and easily as a little base. It doesn't work like that. Alright, just to um, run through that video that you just heard. I just want to say 
Many people think it's true. It's not true. She was not in the Capitol building at that time. She did not have the trauma when she was a child. She was not... No, she did not do anything. It's just a dramatic thing to do as usual. As Alex Oscar the Grouch Cortez does. Um, as usual. I'm not surprised by her um, massive lies that she does every single minute um, when she puts out these random videos because of... Uh, she likes to um, blame Trump. She likes to blame Trump. Oscar the Grouch Cortez likes to blame Trump for, um, for just for nothing. Nothing. Now, if you, if you don't agree with me calling her Oscar the Grouch Cortez, by this time, I think you should agree um, with me by, um, by calling her Oscar the Grouch Cortez. Because from that video, many Americans found out that she was not in the actual capital. Many Americans... She was across the street the entire time in a different building, not during, she was not at the, um, she was at the, um, voting, but during the recess, she was across the street in a different building, and then she, then she decided, oh, I'm gonna put out this nasty video of my whole trauma that I have to tell America about my trauma and then that video went viral it's wacky alright so Cuomo says who cares um about the this nasty stuff all right here's governor cuomo saying who cares who wants the truth here we go Thanks for joining us this but we're below the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes who cares 33 28 died in a hospital died in a nursing home they died this guy literally killed many, many nurse, many seniors. Listen to this um interview um by on news um from Newsmax. Here we go. Joining us to discuss former governor of New York, George Pataki. Governor, thanks for joining us this morning. We we do appreciate it. I can see you shaking your head there, as I'm sure many people tuning in and listening to those comments are doing as well. Uh, your thoughts on the remarks that Governor Cuomo made about whether people died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, people died. Those remarks, your thoughts? The, the concept that who cares uh, is just virtually cruel because the families of now, I guess it's more than 12,000 New Yorkers who died in 
in nursing homes or because of nursing homes and the wrong-headed policy of this administration. They all care. And anybody who wants to see this not happen again the next time we have a pandemic or something like that, they care. So I would say virtually everyone wants to know the truth about what happened. And now a Democratic attorney general has blown the, the lid off, the cover off, the, the delusion that uh, uh, thousands of people who were infected in nursing homes didn't really die there. Uh, they're, not, they're just playing defense. And it's hard to defend that the great communicator was not telling the truth to the people of New York and the people of America. It's very sad. Yeah, we just want the truth, just want the facts, and maybe even a little bit of empathy, right? Goodness, could we at least see that from the governor? Be owning up to some mistakes. But as you know, throughout the pandemic, Governor Cuomo was praised by major media outlets. He wrote a book on handling the virus. He won an Emmy for his briefings. He appeared almost invincible to this criticism. And so I'll ask you, were you surprised that, in fact, Attorney General Letitia James did announce this investigation? No, I wasn't surprised at all. It was obvious to me back in March that the policy of requiring nursing homes to take COVID-positive patients uh, was just complete insanity. And it was going to result in unnecessary deaths, and it has. Uh, and the fact that uh, the government was covering up those, uh, those deaths uh, also doesn't surprise me because we really haven't gotten the true story of what's happening. And I give credit to Attorney General James, a Democrat who conducted this investigation and, and was very courageous in the face of the governor's wrath in going out there and saying, these are the facts, this is the truth. But I, I have to tell you, there's another story here. Since March, nine of the top professionals in the New York State Health Department have quit, including all the key people dealing with epidemiology and immunology because they have been ignored by the governor's office. So when you have a pandemic, when the experts are called upon, and this is what they prepared their lives for, all quitting, nine of them, nine of the top ones quitting because they are being ignored by the politicians in the governor's office, it just points out what a tragedy the response in New York to the COVID crisis has been. Makes you wonder too, for those families who lost their loved ones because of the governor's order, See, we'll make sure that we have Governor Pataki connecting with us. Um, but it does make you wonder, of course, Governor, if you're still on the line, if there uh, could be any sort of, great, uh, any sort of accountability, any sort of justice we could see for these families. Do you think we could see some sort of, uh, at least recognition from Governor Cuomo going forward? Well, you'd certainly hope so, because uh, they have uh, suffered needlessly. And I think at the very least, be open and honest that the state made a mistake. Uh, and acknowledge that you made a mistake and acknowledge that you're going to look to get all the facts so that no one has to die needless next time you have a crisis. So, so I don't know, I can't speak for the governor's office as to whether that will actually happen, but an apology, an understanding, and as you just said, some empathy for yeah. the families who have lost their loved ones because of this wrongheaded policy would certainly help. Do you think we'll expect to see a challenger? Uh, coming in 2022 to run against Governor Cuomo, that could be a serious contender here? You know, I think there will be uh, a lot of challengers come 2022. And one of the interesting things is he'll have a challenge from the left, as will Senator Schumer. Uh, you know, the Democratic Party, everybody points that the Republican Party has this crisis because of Donald Trump's looming presence. The Democratic Party has a crisis between its radical left wing and its liberal wing. And I think you're going to see very possibly both Senator Schumer and Governor Cuomo challenged from the left. 
And, you know, I was listen, listening to your early report, earlier report about the 5 o'clock meeting with the 10 Republican moderates who want to pass a bipartisan COVID relief bill. That meeting is going to really tell a lot. Is it Bernie Sanders and AOC who are running the, the Trump, the Biden administration, or is it candidate Biden who said he wanted to work in a bipartisan way? If there's no progress made, if uh, President Biden just decides he's going to ram through his $1.9 trillion Christmas tree, we'll know that it's Bernie Sanders and AOC running this administration and not the bipartisan candidate Biden who ran for office uh, uh, saying he would reach across the aisle. Yeah, we'll see if, if he does, in fact, remain moderate here or allows these progressive voices to really guide his administration. Uh, let's stay with the state of New York, if you don't mind, because we are learning that the governor has said he's reopening restaurants for indoor dining 25% on Valentine's Day. He's also loosening some restrictions on weddings. I know, but sort of back to the restaurants, I mean, dining, as we know, is so iconic in New York City. Is it too late for some of these restaurants with only 25% two weeks from now? It's too late. Uh, it's too late for many of them. Something is better than nothing. And some of them will uh, be able to survive because of this. But, you know, this is just classic. Uh, we're going to reopen at 25% capacity because in two weeks because Valentine's Day. Oh, it sounds so nice. You can take your wife or your, wife or your sweetheart out for Valentine's Day. What's going to be different in two weeks from today? Does the governor have a crystal ball that shows that over the next two weeks the virus is going to really go down a lot? Uh, why can't we reopen today? And we should, re we should have reopened a couple of months ago. If you look at all the data, it doesn't come from spreading massively because restaurants are open. In the rest of the state, they're open at 50% capacity. It's in New York City where we have the problem. So this is another example where the governor just rules by what he thinks of. Oh, oh, Valentine's Day, what a perfect day. So meanwhile, the 300,000-plus waiters and kitchen workers and other restaurant workers are unemployed for a little longer, and more restaurants are going to just say, this is ridiculous. We are going to go out of business. It's really sad. Yeah, you feel for all of those struggling businesses right now, just trying to find some relief. Uh, that's former Governor of New York, George Pataki, joining us live here on National Report. Governor, thank you. You just watched. And that was the interview. I have a um, other video regarding New Jersey. Here's a video. Another video. Is easing some of its COVID restrictions. New Jersey is easing some of its COVID restrictions tonight and expanding indoor dining. But many restaurant owners who we spoke to say that the small increase won't help. CBS 2's Meg Baker live in Westfield, New Jersey with more on this. Meg? Christina Mori, starting this Friday, February 5th, indoor capacity will increase from 25% to just 35%. Also, that 10 p.m. curfew will be lifted. But many of the restaurant owners I spoke to here in downtown Westfield were not overly excited about the news. I think that's better for uh, restaurants that are more bars. We're a family restaurant, so the 35% really doesn't help us. Charles Murray, owner of Ferraro's, says he doesn't get diners past 10 p.m., so that doesn't benefit his business. I think it will help is for parties. If you're having a party upstairs and you can get the extra people in there and you can uh, stay open until 11. Others, like the owners of Feast Catering, say every little bit helps, but... Our location is really small. 
So 35% doesn't really give us too much. 50% for a lot of restaurants will be a big difference. Republican State Senator Declan O'Scanlan says most states are at 50% or higher. There's no correlation between trans transmission rates. There is absolutely a negative correlation of unemployment rates, of bankruptcies, business failures. But Governor Murphy says the slow rollout protected restaurants from the roller coaster of opening and closing. We opened indoor dining responsibly. Never once have we had to reduce capacity. And now because of your compliance, we can further expand indoor dining. Indoor entertainment and recreation venues, as well as personal care businesses, can also increase capacity to 35%, but can have no more than 150 people inside. And just a reminder, you still cannot sit at a bar, so Super Bowl will look very different for many people. We're Tonight, taking a step forward in New Jersey, where a 10 p.m. curfew has been lifted and indoor dining increased. And from what we have seen so far, the change has been welcomed by business owners and customers alike. CBS 2's Corey James, live tonight in Hoboken for us. Corey. Yeah, Marisa Christine has been a pretty positive response so far here in Hoboken. I got to tell you, from where we are right now, there's no sight of any outdoor seating areas. And many people right behind us in some of these restaurants are still eating inside, having a warm meal without feeling rushed. It feels so normal. It feels so great being just back out. Indoor diners in Hoboken, New Jersey are getting the Friday night feels again. The dining capacity increased to 35% and restaurants allowed to stay open past 10 p.m. A welcome change for the brass rail. We got an extra seating for dinner. We're not kicking people out at like 9.45. It's a blessing. Monique Krause lives in Manhattan and is thankful too. Because your food gets cold too fast if you sit outside. But not every Garden State city is on the same page. Newark Mayor Ross Baraka released the latest numbers detailing these zip codes that have some of the highest COVID-19 cases. Because of that, Baraka is keeping a weekday 10 p.m. curfew and a weekend 11 p.m. curfew in play. Some understand but say it still hurts. It should be like one or two because right now, you know, it's, it's very hard because business is slow, but you got to pay rent. You got to pay rent. You got to pay bills. We've been crushed. Dan Connor feels her pain. He is one of the owners of Donovan's Pub in Woodside, Queens, who is hoping the governor moves up the reopening of indoor dining and changes the curfew. If you moved it to midnight, that's at least one extra turnover of tables. Give us three days earlier, we get a whole weekend for Valentine's Day. You said from the beginning you were going to follow the numbers and follow the data. Please take your own advice and let's go. NYC Hospitality Alliance says it is fighting to make that happen because restaurants do not want to miss another major money-making day. We are trying to advocate with the governor to ensure that we can increase occupancy to 50% here in New York City safely. We've lost thousands of restaurants already, so many more teetering on the edge of survival. And you can see over my shoulder some of the folks still eating inside these restaurants tonight. Some of the businesses say they plan on closing at 2 a.m. Now, Governor Cuomo says he is considering reopening indoor dining before Valentine's Day. And we are expected to learn more about that potential change next week. But now we're live here in Hope. All right, let's get to uh, Georgia's Congresswoman Major uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Here. So the, so the Epic Times wrote, I had a great time, I had a great call with, uh, all-time favorite POTUS, um, uh, Trump, um, 
and Marjorie uh, Green says she had she had received a call from the former President Trump during which he expressed his support. Um, the conver- the commercial freshman, um, Congresswoman Major Green, Marjorie Taylor Green, um, said she will soon visit Donald Trump at his Florida home. Mrs. Green, um, has been fiercely criticized by the both sides of political allies due to the infamous social media posts. However, she, she told one um, one American news she retained the support of the former president. She said, I'm excited to visit soon and continue to give him a call and talk to him frequently. Great news is he supports um, me 100% of, and I've always supported him. So, pre- so she also said President Trump is always the here for people and he's not going anywhere so i look forward to joining him and his and what his future plans may be and also she said democrats have been pushing for miss green to be expelled from congress House Majority um, Leader Steny Hauer says Democrats will bring vote a vote on the House floor to strip Miss Green of her committee assignments. She was criticized for her support of a Queen um, Quinn. Non and discreated right wing movement. Followers um, believe the U.S. government um, is beholden to a secret globalist cable, which includes former Democratic um, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. She also has liked uh, tweets calling for the death of Democrat Nancy Pelosi, although she disputes these claims. Um, I'm... Yeah, I would like um, that, but... I would like tweets like that, but... Um, secretly. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't do that publicly. I would do. I would like the post secretly and then have her find out when she does. Maybe. Um, that's kind of crazy. But I support um Marjorie uh, Green, Marjorie Taylor Green. Uh, God bless her. Next, we got um Trump era support. Um, Trump era space force. Is he gonna remain? Yes or no? Here we go. Sky News Australia. Who is USAA? You've been looking at Joe Biden, um, him taking office. And the big question for your mob... That's right. Will Space Force stay? It looks like it's a yes. Yeah, there's been a little bit of lingering since he's taken office. He hasn't really said a, a concerted, you know, yes or no and what was happening. And when Space Force was formed, it was kind of viewed as a joke, right? It was kind of viewed as, why are we doing this? What's this sort of thing? People failed to realize it actually was investigated under the Obama presidency, which obviously he was the VP, about whether they should do it or not. At the time, the Pentagon said, not quite right. Five years later, they said, all right, it is the right time. So when you said it was a bit of a joke, Donald Trump came up with it, so his detractors were like Space Force. They had the big black yeah, flag and they yeah, called yeah. a bit of vaudeville, but... Mary People realized there was... Forgot there was substance behind it, right? It wasn't just a flag-planting exercise. This is something that had been considered for a while. And in fact, people get failed to realize that when it was passed in Congress, Democrats and Republicans pretty much equally supported it because of the growing rise of space, especially in China, Iran yeah. even, and saying the U.S. needs a military organization to do it. So pretty much the clear word that Biden will keep it. And in fact, they're trying to grow and triple their numbers by the end of this year alone. Uh, now, let's talk about SpaceX. The all-private missions announced, and we've spoken about the astonishing cost, but it could be, you could get there for $13? Yes. Technically? So technically, that's right. So, you know, we have the private mission that is going to go to the space station where we're paying, you know, $71 million. But what Elon Musk did is he partnered with another tech billionaire, and they bought all of the seats on a Dragon capsule. What's happening here, by the way? What? So this is the docking from that they did. So that's why it's going so slowly. That's right. So this is docking to the space station. So it will go a little bit faster when you're looking at it. But, you know, inside the capsule here uh, is six seats. And essentially they bought six seats. There will be a pilot, the billionaire who paid for it. And they're partnering with a charity hospital in the U.S. that uh, if you donate at least 10 U.S. dollars, so 13 Australian dollars, you can go in for a raffle prize. And the raffle price is one of the seats. So it's a lottery. It's a lottery, yeah. essentially. That's and right. What are your odds? That's the important question. Well, look, uh, your odds are probably better in the lottery. You know, they're hoping to <laughs> they're hoping to raise like two hundred million dollars. They're expecting a lot of people to enter. But the theme and the message is, you know, the ordinary person actually has a chance. It's yeah. not requiring seventy one million dollars or being a NASA test pilot. Well, okay, like but what guys. happens if an eighty year old? Um, wins the lottery so that's a great question they will they have in the caveat they have to do some health screening right. um, and you have to be undergo and pass training and preparation so there's a bit of caveat so they may have some reserve winners or something like Wouldn't that it'd be great if an everyday american um you know perhaps with a bit of uh, winter husk about them won it in in simpson style and they got the training and we saw the transformation i mean look you could right? you, you could imagine someone says look 
I'm gonna, you know, this is the trip of a lifetime. I'm gonna do it. Just as you know, it. it used to be going getting to, back in shape, Norm. Going to Fiji used to be it. the trip of the lifetime. Hey, just finally and briefly, so an Australian project um, has released measurement of 3,000 galaxies. Um, full detailed uh, physical analysis of this talk so Yeah, so this is with the Anglo-Australian telescope, so the largest optical telescope uh, based at Siding Springs, so in northern New South Wales. And what they're doing here is using this little plate with these cables on it to, it's kind of like giving a full physical to a galaxy. We've measured the outside, we've done some cursory studies, but they wanted to get all into the nooks and crannies of what a galaxy is like to really tell us how galaxies live and die, which tells us how stars form and even how planets form. Uh, so it was a unique instrument built uh, in Australia, ran in Australia, and they've released the data that is now essentially the envy of the world in astronomy. 20 seconds, what did it show? Well, that just like humans, uh, as a galaxy gets bigger, they also get fatter as you get older, we can relate to it, and younger galaxies are a little bit more naive and have less substance to them. That's <laughs> a very interesting story. Customs and Border Protection says agents arrested a group so that's very interesting. Um, next, let's get to John Mates, former uh, parlor. Um, person CEO. Here we go, John Mates. Mates was fired as Parler CEO by the company's board of directors last week. Mates said in a memo to staffers he did not participate in this decision and was met with, quote, constant resistance on his original vision for the platform. Joining me right now is the man himself, former CEO of Parler, the founder, the man who built the company, John Mates. John, it's great to have you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. First off, what happened? Why do you think the board made this decision? to take the guy who built the business out of the top spot. Thank you for having me on. Um, I'm not entirely sure why they made their decision. Um, you know, so uh, Jared, the other co-founder and I, you know, we designed and architected the original software. Um, I had made most of the iPhone app uh, myself, coded it myself for the first two and a half years. And so, uh, you know, given recent stress and everything going on, there'd been some pushback back and forth. I understand still to this day uh, why I'd been terminated. But, but you said and you told employees you were met with constant resistance. John, what were they resisting to? You had a vision to try to have a, a free speech uh, opportunity in a world where we're seeing censorship on so many, so many platforms uh, of your competitors. So what were, what was your board resisting to most? Well, I mean, there's been a lot of things that we've gone back and forth about, but as of recent, you know, having been taken off the Apple store and taken off the Google Play and uh, Amazon dropping us, you know, I thought it was probably a, a good time to start looking at being a little bit more pragmatic while still respecting free speech. And so my concept was the idea of adding AI and other technologies to the platform uh, to be more proactive, especially in times of scaling, but then to have a system in place so that every decision that was made by these authoritative style devices like these AIs and other people, so that you could have a third party come in and say, hey, I don't agree with the decision that these guys made. You can then go ahead and contest it, and it'll get sent to a jury of your peers. And that was the idea and my concept that, um, you know, this would then go and you'd get a trial by jury, and it would be a fair and, and it would be a good way to double check any rulings. And so that was my vision forward for the moderation front. 
Um, but I, I don't know really where the biggest uh, discontent, you know, disconnect was. I, I was not, this was not explained to me. Yeah, so, so assess the whole platform and the competitive landscape for us right now, John. What is your take on what's going on in terms of social media? As so many people complain that there is serious censorship going on, we've witnessed it ourselves, obviously, seeing uh, Twitter refusing to have the New York Post uh, report on the stories of Hunter Biden, for example, during an election year. Yeah, the space is a bit interesting. It seems Telegram has picked up quite a bit since Parler's been offline, and that seems to be the direction a lot of people coming under fire by Apple now uh, in other other places as well. I think there's a lawsuit against Google trying to get them uh, taken down. And so, you know, it's really interesting ha seeing how people have kind of shifted since Parler's been offline because that was the go-to place. So, um, you know, it has created a weird vacuum. Uh, so it's, we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is a really good point. Now, Parler investor, Fox News contributor Dan Bongino is pushing back on your statement. Listen to Bongino, uh, who, of course, uh, is uh, one of the backers of Parler. Watch this. Video from Dan Bongino on Fox News Business. Here you go. The relationship with Parler and the CEO did not work out because the CEO's vision was not ours. Are we, everybody clear on that? Our vision was crystal clear. We needed to get up and fight back. Some terrible decisions were made in the past that led to this, that led us to getting put down by Amazon and others. Your reaction, John, to what you hear from John, Don Vancino? Well, uh, well, a few things. Um, Dan's explanation is the first one I had heard from the company. He's the closest to the company, and Dan's not really, Dan's not a manager. Um, he's never been to the company office, and he's spoken to maybe two employees total, um, and he's pretty new into the company. I mean, I was there for two and a half years before he joined, so I don't know if that explanation is accurate. Um, you know, I think my vision is pretty aligned with what they were saying. I don't think anything I said earlier was too disaligned. Uh, but, you know, it is time to be really, you know, mostly pragmatic about going forward. I don't think you could blame decisions such as Amazon, you know, setting an unprecedented, you know, statement by banning Parler. I don't think you can blame that on me. I think that, you know, especially given that we had numerous backups that all dropped us as well. So I don't think they know what they're talking about. And I think they're winging this. And I think that there's something else to play. And I'm not sure what it is. Uh, and it doesn't make sense why you'd wait five days to tell the employees. I finally, at one point, told them, hey, guys, you know, uh, to the new executive manager that, that Rebecca put in place, you know, I got to make a statement to the employees into the world tomorrow. It's been five days. People are asking me where am I at. You've been giving people mixed messages. You've been telling people on some channels this, and you've been telling others that. I've had actually third parties call me who are not a part of the company asking me what's going on. So at this point, I have to make a statement tomorrow. And so please, let's do a joint statement, you know, and that's what was conveyed to Mark Meckler, who is the one of the executive managers that Re Rebecca had replaced me with. And so, you know, it's just the fact that they didn't see that coming is really surprising, considering we had five days, tried to work back and forth, and I gave them every opportunity to work with me on making a joint statement. I just don't think they know what's going on, that's all. Where, where do you think this company goes from here, John? I mean, do you have any insight in terms of where you think they'll take the platform? Do you think Parler will come back? You mentioned Telegram is getting lots of market share now. Does Parler have a place to come back?
Well, I think their next move is to have to come back, um, and they'll probably have to adopt a lot of the AI and automation procedures that I'd proposed. They'll probably have to adopt a lot of the policies that I set into place, and they'll probably still be using the features that I designed and, and sent out to the team, and I hope that they do. Um, the one thing that worries me is that they won't have, you know, kind of me making sure and testing and working with the engineers to make sure that, that the new you know, terms of service enforcement stuff they're doing. They won't have me there to kind of make sure it's coming out perfect, and it might end up either being over-aggressive or not aggressive enough, uh, and uh, I, but otherwise, you know, they're gonna have to move forward, and they're gonna have to get online as soon as possible, because every day they're not online, um, they're losing more and more market share, and so that's really important to get up as quickly as possible. So is there another opportunity for you in this space? John, you're an entrepreneur. What will you do next? Well, I think I've got a lot of opportunities coming up. I mean, you know, uh, people have seen what, what I built, uh, not just me, but the team, you know, right? They've seen everything that we've accomplished and such in such a space that no one thought was contestable. No one thought Facebook was contestable or, or, or Twitter was contestable. And I think we made a substantial uh, splash in the Twitter space. And, uh, and so I think I've got plenty of opportunities. It's just for now, I'm taking a little bit of time off as much as I can handle because weirdly I haven't taken this much time off in anything uh, in three years. So uh, getting used to that's been interesting. But otherwise, you know, I want to come back and, and work on something with people that share my values and, 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 you know, won't put me in a position that I'm in right now. All right. Well, we want to hear about your journey and, of course, want to hear about the social media space as well. And we will catch up with you along the way. John, please come back soon. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you, sir. All right, that was um, all our videos. Um, that was Fox News Business. Coming up is next um, our news. Um, coming up is our news. So, here's our news. Police are seeking the public's uh, help to find a man who pushed another man in Venice, um, Venice Beach. Knocking him unconscious with a single strike. Next, um, two men boarding a flight out of Newark Liberty International Airport last month were kicked off for wearing a scuba-inspired mask, and that violated the airline's policy, according to a report. They're wearing a darn mask, so please don't be racist. Winter storm warning, Quaid will be bringing snow to the much of the mid-Atlantic and northeast on Sunday afternoon. Look out for that. For thousands of New Yorkers of the state want unemployment benefit back to New York seeking a recope more than $114 million in unemployment benefits doled out to ineligible receipts. So, so, so. Uh, Biden. NFL offers Biden all 32 football stadiums as mass COVID vaccination sites. Um, I don't like that idea. Why? The NFL is really, really stupid with that. It's kind of crazy. It's ridiculous. 
Um, we have massive, massive, um, places. For example, um, the Javits Center. We can use that. The Trump Towers. And we have the, um, everything else about, um, we have everything else. Um, we have a lot of areas. So next, the New York Post, um, tweeted out, uh, not tweeted out, um, posted today, um, a, uh, their... Their headlines, they wrote this. Stimroller, so much for United Unity. Biden pushes bill with without GOP. 1.9 trillion, which hunt at the New York Times. Uh, uh, page 7. Um, I want to play you a video. I saw it earlier today. Just give me a sec. Um, here we go. Listen Should to this. former President Trump still receive intelligence briefings? I think not. Why not? Because of his erratic behavior unrelated to the insurrection. I mean, you've called him an existential threat. You've called him dangerous. You've called him reckless. Yeah, I have, and I believe it. What's your worst fear if he continues to get these intelligence briefings? I'd rather, I'd rather not speculate out loud. I just think that there is no need for him to have that, that intelligence briefing. What value is giving him an intelligence briefing? What impact does he have at all other than the fact he might slip and say something? You might slip and say something, Joe Biden. How ridiculous to you are you? So, next, a corner on camera. A driver witnessed um, a thief jumping out of a car and smashing a window and grabbing $7,000 worth of camera equipment only on the, on the California roads. That happens only in California. Uh, Iran's foreign ministry said today's the U new U.S. stand on the U Yemen war can be stepped towards the correcting past mistakes. This comes from the President Biden said earlier was um, was ending the, its support with Saudi um, leader military campaign in Yemen. The former President uh, Trump's 1997 book the art comeback is now selling for $900 on Amazon. It's sold for $25.95 at the time of its release. That's a 3,300% profit if you have a copy to sell. Well, um, Trump is back on social media. He's on Gab now. That's great. Joe Biden boards on yesterday on Air Force One for the first time since he came into the White House. 
and he saluted to the Marines. U.S. Homeland Chief um, Secretary Sec Security Alejandro Mayorkas, who last week became the first Latino immigrant to hold the post, um, reframed the resolve to fight domestic um, terrorism. One of the um, threats to the United States, uh, greatest threats, let's say, greatest threats to the United States of America. Wyoming um, State GOP Party voted today to formally censor Liz Cheney for her vote to impeach Trump, calling on her um, to immediately resign. Um, Amazon is partnering with the government, a government counterfeit watchdog to national, national intractable property rights can corporation center to spot and, and stop the sale of the, of counterfeit, um, Super Bowl merchandise. The company announced Friday the parties will share intelligence in real time before, during, and after Sunday's contest between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fox News Media announced that on Friday that it has canceled Lou Dobbs' show Fox Business ending the highest rated program on Business Network. Dobbs, a loyal ally of the former president who promoted theories about the election fraud um, following and has his loss last year, hosted the evening show for a decade. Next, um, it's been one year ago, Patricia Dowd, 57-year-old, um, became the first American to die of COVID-19. She had no travel history and no link to known cases. Well, what is my prediction? For the um the the sports, I think that the um I think Tampa Bay is gonna come off with a nice win, thirty-one to twenty-six. Now, is are they gonna have a huge win? Probably, because Tom Brady is uh, the greatest quarterback in uh, NFL history. He has six rings, and he's going to pull off a seventh them after this one. So we'll think we'll see by next week. Let's set um let's sign off um with a great win, ladies and gentlemen. It's great.
Thank you everybody for tuning in. We wish everybody a uh, great week, including the weekend, including, yes, you heard that, right, the weekend, as we uh, played the weekend, Blinding Lights, it's a good song, just letting you know, it's a great song. Um, our schedule for next week is going to be, um, as usual, Saturday night. Um, um, and I just want to, a reminder for this week's sake, um, food box, due to the storm, incoming storm, the food box is going to be on Monday, starting at 12 p.m. till 5 p.m. at 122 8th Street, and in Passaic, New Jersey. Um and the and the she at 181 Pennington, I mean Boulevard, I think it's Pennington or even Ah, uh, yeah, Boulevard. 181 Boulevard. Um it's at 5 p.m. till 10 p.m. So Monday is the food box due to the inclement weather. Um, I don't know about any other food sites. Check your Facebook um, groups or even uh, your emails. Um, and check with your mayor or even anyone else due to the inclement weather that's coming. Um... That's that. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and uh, go Buccaneers.